any of you or someone you've known been ghosted? Raise your hand if you know someone who's been ghosted. A couple of, yes, now, that was my next question. Raise your hand if you don't know what ghosted means. Okay, good. So, ghosting is when you abruptly end communication with someone without explanation. And it often refers to uh, romantic relationships, like dating relationships, where you know you go out on a date and all of a sudden no one, people stop responding. But it, it can refer to all sorts of relationships. So for instance, if you have a plumber and you're like, oh, can you do this work? They give you an estimate and then you keep going, they ghosted you. They, they must be too busy because they're not responding in any way. Also, I read about a, um, a lawyer who was trying to settle an estate, and uh, there was some far-off relative, and after some initial communication, that relative just ghosted them, and he says it didn't make sense because, you know, they, they had a cash windfall coming. And that shows that even when we're trying to bless or help someone, well, they can still ghost you. And, you know, we can sometimes ghost God. What I mean by that is that we end communication. We, we don't respond to any of the messages that he is sending through various means. But you can't ghost God forever. And if I may, you can't ghost the Holy Ghost. Um, <laughs> because we'll all stand before him one day. And, and not only that, but we, we, we shouldn't want to ghost God because we miss out on the most important relationship of our life, an eternal relationship with our creator. And yet the, the message continues to go out to in, invite us to himself, inviting us to choose repentance and rest. And the primary scripture that, uh, or the verse of our scripture that I want us to focus on is verse 28, where Jesus invites people. He says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. But we fail to respond, as many of the people failed to respond as when they heard that invitation from Jesus' lips. And our scripture contrasts those who don't respond to God's message, to those who do, but those who do find rest for their souls. Now, the context of the scripture that Wendy read, um, if you were here last week, you know the context, but if you weren't, let me tell it to you. Jesus, he had just spoken about the unresponsiveness of this generation. He commented that they rejected John the Baptist's message because it was too austere. But then they also rejected his message because he joyfully preached the kingdom of God and hung out with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus continues on that theme in our scripture of being unresponsive to God's message. That's kind of a less churchy word for being unrepentant. Despite Jesus doing many miracles in various cities and inviting people to repent and find rest in him, and they refuse to turn to Christ. So in that scripture, Matthew eleven twenty, it says he began to denounce the cities where most of the mighty works had been done because they did not repent. He says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida. These are towns in, uh, in Israel where Jesus ministered. And these towns are not far from Bethsaida, excuse me, from Capernaum, which is mentioned in verse 23. It says, he says, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago. 
and sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You'll be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom than for you. So Sodom was a city that typified the wickedness of Canaan before Israel settled in that area. This about 2,000 years before Jesus. And fire and brimstone rained down uh, and destroyed that city. And many people are still familiar with that reference, especially with Gomorrah. So Sodom and Gomorrah. Tyre and Sidon might not be quite as familiar, but those were cities that were constant enemies of Israel. And the Old Testament prophets often single out Tyre and Sidon for judgment. So it would have been a shock to Jesus' Jewish audience for him to say that they were being more resistant to God than these Gentile cities who had opposed God so often that their names became synonymous with God's judgment. Jesus was saying that these Israelite cities are more guilty because they received a more direct revelation from God through Christ, through what Christ was doing. Now, I know we don't like all this judgment talk, but think about it from God's perspective. God, he creates humans to love, and they ignore him. And, and they start to worship not the creator, but worship created things, including themselves. And then they harm one another. But God, because he's a God of love, he sends Jesus. And, and as an invitation and a confirmation that God's forgiveness and kingdom are open to anyone who would turn to him, Jesus, he does mighty works in these cities. He heals the paralyzed. He cleanses the leper. He even raises the dead, all free of charge with an invitation to follow. God does that. He sends that message. And their response, they ghost him. No response. Whereas those other cities that were marked for destruction in the Old Testament, you know, Sodom and Tyre and Sidon, well, they received some warning. A patriarch or a prophet would come and warn them. But none of the miracles like Jesus was doing, none of that message and yet, despite the miracles and despite the open invitation to Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum, they were not responding to God. But again, one day, every person will stand before God. You can't ghost God forever. So the call here is to repent. Take Jesus up on his invitation to turn from our ways and to follow him and receive the kingdom. Now, we often think of repentance in terms of like, oh, I've got to repent, so I'm going to whip myself and, and, and you know, do some sort of penance that makes us miserable. But no, re repentance is simply responding to God's invitation and all the grace that Jesus has, receiving his joy, receiving his rest. And that's why Jesus, he goes on to say that those who are childlike in their response to Christ, meaning they see their need and, and receive Christ's invitation, they won't come under judgment. Rather, they come under blessing. They walk into rest. Because in verse 25, it says, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. There's the invitation, the open invitation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is the light. So all may come, all may come to him, especially those who are hurting, especially those who recognize their need. Don't, go, don't ghost God. Choose repentance, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, some might object and say, well, wait a minute. Pastor Joe, you always say, pay attention to the context, and I do. And if you remember the context of this in chapter 10 and in the, the beginning of chapter 11, uh, Jesus warns that following him is going to bring hostility from the world, that everyone has to take up their cross and follow him, that there's difficulty here. So many may be thinking, well, that doesn't sound very easy. That doesn't sound very restful. So how? How does Jesus give rest? How is his yoke easy when the world seems to be against him? After all, he was crucified against his followers. Well, it's not that as Christians we don't have any difficult work to do. But instead, our work is good, eternally good. And it's more bearable because it's good. It's more bearable because of the good harvest it produces. You know, for example, uh, St. Francis of Assisi, uh, Ignatius of Loyola, they were all um, born into wealth and ease, and they gave it all away and became poor. Well, why did they do that? Or, you know, many rich people set up foundations. Why? Why do they do that? Because ease without purpose is not easy. It's not. We are built for a purpose. We're, we're created and we need meaning and purpose. And so ease without purpose is drudgery. But ease, excuse me, but a purpose, even if it's difficult, it has a deep Settling an easiness in our soul that we can't deny. And we seek that out, which is, again, why many people give up their riches, give up their ease, because it's not that easy. Secondly, Jesus talks about taking uh, his yoke upon him. Now, if you're not a Christian, you might be like, oh, is that why on Easter we do Easter eggs? Because I never quite got the connection between, like, yoke and all that stuff. But no, it's not that kind of yoke. Um, the yoke that he's talking about is an oxen yoke. I have to think of a picture up there. So a, a yoke is that thing where um, it, it goes around an ox, uh, an ox's neck, oxen neck, to help them do the work. That's the yoke he's talking about. And Jesus, he's saying, my, take my yoke upon you. Take the, the, this, I'm helping you every step of the way. And by the way, this picture is from Old Servage Village. I used to work there. It's a great place to visit. Um, but that's not me. I, never, I was never a driver of the oxen. But the, the yoke of the oxen, it, it helps them 
do the work. And Jesus is saying, I'm not a cruel taskmaster, but I'm gentle and I'm humble and you'll find rest for your souls. And Jesus, he's already served us self-sacrificially and he'll continue to walk with us. We're yoked with him, if you will. And his presence, he'll lead us into abundant life, a healing for our brokenness. He'll lead us into an eternal purpose, and he'll lead us to a place where we're truly known by God. But uh, maybe that is the issue. Being deeply known by God. Are you ghosting God because you don't want to deal with getting real and honest? Because that's why most people ghost others, is they don't, want to they don't have the mental energy or strength to deal with the real issues. Easier just to, to avoid the one that you're in a relationship with. See, we need and we want divine acceptance, and Jesus offers that. But we also realize that he, 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 accept us, he accepts us where we're at, but he doesn't leave us where we are that he restores us, that he grows us, he cleanses us. But that can be deeply unsettling when we're used to being unclean and broken. And one of the reasons why Jesus goes and he heals and he cleanses the lepers as a way, as a demonstration of, yeah, uh, you're, you're welcome to the kingdom just as you are, but when you come to the kingdom, I'm going to change you deeply on the inside. I'm going to accept you, but now I'm going to do that work of healing. And maybe that's why we ghost God. Because we're like, we know the thoughts we have that we would not want to share with anyone. We know the things that we've done. We don't want to get real with God. We don't, we, we're so used to our unhealth and we cling to those things that actually harm us that we're scared that Jesus will truly set us free from these things. And so we ghost God because it's just easier to avoid him. And I say easier, but it's not really easier, is it? That, yeah, easier short term because you don't have the mental energy to deal with it. But long term, it just keeps wearing and wearing. And that God-sized hole in our hearts remains empty. And yet Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. You know, I used talking about ghosting God. And so a lot of the younger folks are like, oh, I get that. And older folks are like, I don't get that. So let me switch things up a bit as an illustration of, you know, uh, many folks, many of you have had knee replacement surgery, and I've mentioned this before. And I think, uh, you know, Paula's Ajax, she might be watching. She's recovering from her knee, knee replacement. So hi, Paula, if you're watching. Um, and, and the thing is, is that when you, your knees start bothering you, it's, it's easier to kind of avoid it and ignore it at first, right? I mean, because you don't want that, you don't want what really needs to happen to bring you back to, to wholeness and, and full health. So you avoid it and avoid it and avoid it. And it is easier at first. 
And, and when you actually get the surgery, it is hard. That's a month of hard, like, of, of, of physical therapy, and it hurts, and it's painful. Right, Margie? Right? Can I get a witness? Yes. <laughs> but then, after the recovery, after that month of pain, oh, okay, okay, after, see, I don't know, so tell it like it is, right? After that few months of pain. Yes, true, it's true. I don't know it. But after that few months of pain, then, it's easy. So those of you who are on the other side of it, those of you who are a year out, right? It's like, yeah, I'm so glad I did that. Now I can walk easier. My burden is lighter. And so that's an illustration of, like, when, yes, coming to God, I get it, we're scared, we don't want, we, we know that he'll accept us as we are, but we know he's going to do some deep healing work, and so we avoid and avoid, but really, it's like once we come to him, there'll be that time, that unsettling time, but then, when we're truly known by him, and he heals us, and he works and changes our hearts, and heals the brokenness, then we walk with an ease that we never had before, where we may not even imagine we could do that just like those who get that knee replacement surgery. So Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He is saying that to you today. Respond to him. The other reason that Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light is that he has done all the work necessary for you to enter his eternal rest, to enter into God's presence so you can stop striving. You can stop trying to make yourself acceptable to God and your own power. Rest in his work. Rest in his grace. Stop striving. We, we trust in Christ's work. We don't trust in our own. So, yes, on our best days, we're walking with Jesus, yoked to him and all we do. But on our worst days, we're also walking with Jesus yoked to him in all we do. Because it's really about him. It's what he has done. It's about his invitation. And although we may break our promises, he will never break his promise. And so when he says, come to me and my, my uh, yoke is easy and my burden is light, when we respond to his invitation, it means he will walk with us. And so the Christian faith is quite simple, which is why Jesus says it's childlike. We simply acknowledge our need, and trust that our Heavenly Father meets our needs. It's not about us. It's about what God has done. And it's about taking him on his promise that he will bring us to where we need to go, even if we're scared, no matter what we've done. As long as we, as a, like a child, admit that we need him, admit that we're weak. And then he walks with us. He brings us to those places that we need to go and we want to go. An illustration of that would be, you know, I was, I can't remember which uh, show it was, but there was a, a kid uh, who went to a summer camp, a kid's summer camp, and there was this really big water slide that he wanted to go on, okay, this really big water slide. And he was scared because it was high, and he was afraid of heights, and he wasn't a great swimmer. And the camp counselor came up to him and said, you know, what, um, what's wrong? You, you know, 
don't, you, you seem to be troubled. And now the kid had an option. The kid could have said, oh, uh, you know, I don't really want to go on the water slide. I'm just having a, a bad day or something. And that's what many kids do, right? When they're scared of something, they act as if they don't actually want to do this. They, they cover and hide their needs so they don't get ridiculed. But this kid said, I really want to go on this water slide, but I am scared. And I don't know how to swim well. And that's when the, the camp counselor said, well, we're, just relax. I'll go with you. I'll go up there with you. I know how to swim. I'm a, I'm a certified lifeguard. I'll go with you. And he, the child, he recognized his need. He, he trusted and he relayed that, that burden, his, that need to his counselor. And the counselor took him down that slide. And you know, when he was done, you know what the kid said? Well, that was pretty easy. That was fun. And, and that just is an illustration of with, with God, all we need to be is like a child and say, okay, yeah, I'm scared. Uh, yes, I don't know how to do this or that. But Jesus, the invitation is still there. He says, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And receiving a gift that you, that you need or something you deeply want, that's easy. And not to say that the Christian faith is all water slides and unicorns, but because um, it, it's not. I mean, there's life and death issues. As Jesus said before, uh, there are, there's difficulties in life, but there is a depth to that rest and joy that transcends the circumstances. So there's a deep peace because you're at peace with the God of the universe, and he is with you. So Jesus, he's given you that invitation. He's giving you that invitation today. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So come to him. If you've never before came to Jesus and say, yes, Jesus, I trust in you, not in myself anymore. I received your yoke, Lord. Then I invite you in our time of prayer to come up. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to know so I can pray uh, and, and help you in these next steps. But maybe you've come to Jesus before, and this is the hundredth time that you need to come to Jesus with something that you're struggling with, something where you need to hand it over to him, because if you think about it, this struggle you've been going through, you've been treating it as if you're doing it alone. And, and Jesus is saying, trade your burden for mine, because mine is light. And we hand it over to God. He invites you to stop striving alone and instead be coupled with him, be yoked to him. But stop ghosting God. Even if it's those little things in your life where you, you know you should be bringing it to before God, but you just keep ignoring, ignoring. And maybe even now, you're scared. If I bring this to God, I know what he's going to do. He's going to bring some massive healing, and it's, I'm not re I don't know if I'm ready for that. But he's with you. He wants to walk with you. Don't ghost the Holy Ghost. He's speaking to you now. He's inviting you through this scripture. Like This is a message from the scripture, from the Lord to you, saying, come to me, you are heavy laden. Don't be unresponsive. Don't be like those cities who heard the message of the Lord and just kept ignoring it. Instead, respond to God and see how he can heal 
how he can take a part of that burden that you've been struggling with by yourself and trade it for his burden that is light, his yoke is easy. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would move about this place. Lord, we know that only you can change our hearts. Only you can do that deep work of healing in us. So, Lord, I pray that we would come to you. We'd respond to the invitation. Lord, if there are any who don't know you, they would say yes to you. Take on your burden. Take on who you are. And Lord, for those who have been struggling alone, I pray that they would be putting these things up into your hands now. And Lord, for those who may have been saying no to you or ignoring you, I pray, Lord, that today would be different and they would respond and say yes to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.